0: so uh i saw I saw the Angry Birds movie yesterday, which I will be talking about on film week uh, later this week on Friday and you said you heard some people say. It was funny. You
1: know, there was a huge now wait, did you go to the premiere in Westwood? No. Because there was a premiere in Westwood where uh-huh. they made you know that street where Diddy Reese Cookies is? Yes. You know, with the BJ's uh Sure, that right next restaurant.
0: to right next to Gypsy Cafe. Oh, I it, love that place. Love it.
1: They cordoned off that whole street and they turned it into a giant Angry Birds
0: yeah, that's screen. Great. That's fantastic. And it was Good. awesome. Good. Wonderful. Yeah, so you know people who said it was it was funny.
1: Yeah, I'll check on Rotten <laughs> okay. Tomatoes right now,
0: because, and we'll see what it has. Because I, I, I'm serious. I sat there for the duration of the 97-some-odd minutes. I think I left with, like, three minutes left of credits because I, I, could, I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, it's well, not, it's got a 63%,
1: so it's, it's, it's dropped.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not funny. And I was in a theater filled with kids, filled with kids, tons of kids. Normally, when you go to see a movie – uh, one of those Saturday morning family animated deals where everybody brings their kids, uh, you get one of either two reactions or some combination thereof, which is either the kids are laughing and screaming and they're loving it and crawling all over each other and grabbing for each other's popcorn, or you hear intermittent weeping because something has scared the bejesus out of them. So this is, but th- honestly, this room was dead. It was dead. There was no weeping, there was no wailing, there was no gnashing of teeth, no crying, no screaming, no laughing, no nothing. Nothing. It was just a dead room. And it was utterly unfunny, and uh, it has a great opening set piece, which is a lot of fun. And then as soon as the dialogue starts, it just it falls with a big thud and never really recovers. And I, there's one joke in it, there's one one line that I thought was funny, and I think I was the only person <laughs> that laughed. At that one, but uh, man, it's not good. Josh Gad is the only saving grace. well here's the, you know what you know what of the the voice talent? Is there one that sticks out to you where you go, huh? That's interesting in an animated film. Is there what, one?
1: What animated film except for like Robin Williams in Aladdin where you go, oh my god, this is perfect? What what animated film has had that
0: recently? Well, I'm not saying that. There's one name in the voice cast for Angry Birds that should make you go, huh? That's interesting.
1: Uh, Peter Dinklage.
0: No. That, would, that makes complete sense. He's actually quite good. Sean no. Penn. Yeah. Now, get this. And, and I'm, I have no qualms about spoiling this. There's no reason for Sean Penn to have voiced the character he, he voices. He voices, you know, the, the big, the, you know in the game, the, the great big fat heavy red bird that just is there to knock things down. Okay. He voices one of those. He voices that guy. He, so basically – not- He has no dialogue. Not a single word. Sean Penn says nothing. Here's what he does. Here's, here's the extent of Sean Penn's voice contribution to this film. He growls. That's it.
1: Well, that's like on The Simpsons when Maggie finally spoke in a flashback or something. It was Elizabeth Taylor. Yeah. But Maggie didn't actually say a word. I think she said daddy. That was it. So Elizabeth Taylor, who was like the recluse, who never reacted and whatever, she's finally doing The Simpsons. Oh my God, this is gonna be great. And in the end, she says one word.
0: He, he grunts. That's it. Anyone That's gr- comedy. Anyone can grunt and growl. So essentially, they paid Sean Penn, one would presume, probably seven figures, to con- purely just so they could market his name above the title or, or, or on, the, uh, on, the, on the billing block. That's crazy.
1: Yes, because Sean Penn will get adults who normally would never see a film like yeah. that, to maybe consider it because it's got sure. Sean Penn
0: in it. There, there, yeah, I'm sure there's someone out there who's going to look at this and go, Angry Birds, not really. Oh, Sean Penn? Or, the two-time Academy Award winner? Well, maybe this movie is, a, is not what I think.
1: Or maybe maybe, the, maybe, maybe... maybe there's
0: some real thespian quality to those birds.
1: No, or no. the adults will be less annoyed that they have to go.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Can we talk about movies?
0: Yes, let's do it. So, um, have you seen anything that you've liked, by the way?
1: Um, I've only seen Money Monster,
0: yeah, which made me very angry. It. Yeah, you hated it. But I am
1: seeing the Nice Guys on Wednesday.
0: I'm seeing it tomorrow morning. What? because mm-hmm.
1: oh, is that is that cause the?
0: Um, well, that's is that because
1: the email that I forwarded. Yeah, you?
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. You you alerted me to it, and so I uh, I contacted the people at Warner's and I said I want to come Monday morning. Okay, we'll put you on the list. So I'm going to go out to Warner Brothers at a horrible hour of the morning. And
1: uh, no, no, no. That that t- at that time of the morning. What, when is it?
0: It's at 11.
1: At that time of the morning, there'll be no traffic. Well... Not going north.
0: Okay, it's like this. So it's at 11. Um, it takes about... It, it. It Once you get to the... Well, it, okay. So it's at 11. It takes at least uh, 10 minutes to walk from the parking structure to Screening Room 4. So get, make it 15 minutes if you want to get there a little bit early, you know, pass through security and the whole thing. And then it could take upwards of 10, you know, around 10 minutes to find a parking spot in that gigantic structure that's across the street. So you've got to give yourself at least 25 minutes. before. So i got to get to the structure around 1030, let's say, to be safe. And uh, that means I got to leave at about 9.30, so that means 9.30 a.m. traffic on the way to Burbank is going to be hell. It'll be fine. It it won't be. It'll, I For three years, I
1: lived in Santa Monica and worked in Burbank, and it was fine.
0: All right. So. Talk about movies. Talking about movies. Uh, you know what? Here, Mark, this is <laughs> I saved this so that you could see uh, here we go. I have I have um, restored everything to its original swag condition because I want you to experience what I experienced. What is this, Mark? What is this? Have you well, we ever received a DVD in that condition, a Blu-ray in that condition? What is it?
1: Well, it's an this... evidence bag.
0: Oh, it's an evidence bag. And it says,
1: uh, do not use this bag for any evidence that was... That has wet, damp body fluids on it.
0: Oh. To
1: seal the bag, peel off release liner, then seal bag by pressing down on
0: glue okay. line. all right, do so it. So it's
1: an actual evidence bag.
0: It's an actual evidence bag, so there's some police activity going on here. Wait, do did it's did an you, evidence.
1: Oh, you, you, you never opened
0: it. No, 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 no. I sealed it up again. Come on, here, here. Open it up. Open it up. Well, just tear it open. Tear it open. Do whatever you oh, got to do. You go. There you go. Okay.
1: Wait, how'd you, how'd you reseal this? Uh, with
0: great difficulty. I'm just doing so. this that. Seriously,
1: you? didn't open this up and did. we did you? Yeah. How did well, you do that. Yeah, it will I'll... never be seen again it's, <laughs> okay. What DVD could this be? What Blu-ray could this be? It's Dirty Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst movie ever made. It's got all sorts of stuff in it. It's got, and all uh, the. It has a Trustex condom in it. Oh. My God. It's, got a, um, it's got a. It's got a. It's got a bottle of pills. Dirty Grandpa's unrated Dick's Little Helpers, performance enhancers, 50 milligrams, 100 tablets. I'm sure these are Tic Tacs or something. Some work. That's that. It's got a bra.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I guess some sort of like, you know, spring break college yeah. girls' bra. Yeah. And it's got the uh, Blu ray of uh, Dirty Grandpa.
0: So there's a, there's a tremendous amount, not a huge amount, obviously, but there's a certain amount of expense and effort that went into dressing this thing up, as it were. Just so that someone in our position, could get the thrill of opening up and going, oh, dirty grandpa. Well, they threw us a bra and a condom and some fake pills in an evidence bag. I can't possibly say anything bad about it now yes, with all can. that wonderful swag. No, yes, I can. This film's terrible. Um, this, is the, this, is, this is appallingly horrible. Now, um, the reason that this is so upsetting to me in particular is not just because the movie is terrible, which it is, but Zac Efron being in it, I also have to review Neighbors 2 on Friday.
1: I hope that's not bad.
0: Really? Yeah. Because the first is just dreadful. I know. I heard it's not bad. The first is hor- horrendous. In fact, because
1: I'm in a uh, uh, I'm hoping, state of mind. Let's see.
0: Because, you know, the, the, the difference here, it's the same team except that uh, Zach and, and uh, Evan Goldberg went and uh, actually were involved in writing the script this time. They just produced last time and obviously, you know, uh, acted. But the uh, – I, I, boy, well, anyway – uh, so, dirty grandpa, unrated, oh well, that certainly makes it better. Uh, this thing also has a gag reel, which is not funny here 's the deal, basically, so Zach Ephron is a just a just a nice young guy getting ready to get married and have a nice career and and really just become a straight laced office type guy and then his grandpa, who has just lost his wife, decides that now he's he 's a single guy again, and he wants to go. Uh, down and have a wild hootin' weekend in uh, Fort Lauderdale, spring break, and just have at it. Now, and so, of course, the whole idea, as you might imagine, is Grandpa isn't really down there to loosen up. He's down there to loosen up his grandson, Zach Efron, who he thinks is about to make a horrible mistake by marrying the wrong woman and da, da 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 and all this stuff. So, but this winds up going into bad Santa territory, and not in a good way. And that's what's so sad, is because the guy that wrote this, has now been hired to write Bad Santa 2 and that's not good this is this goes so far beyond like enjoyable bad taste it's just nasty and it's gross and it's unfunny and it really uh, – it, it's, it's like Robert De Niro just said, okay, I, uh, now what am I going to do with my reputation? I know. Why don't I just like wad it up and throw it in the gutter? Yeah, It's destroyed. It's destroyed.
1: The, the, he, he must have no sense, of no sense of self-awareness. But
0: here's the thing. Here's the thing. Is it so destroyed that it cannot be restored by a $50 million bidding war at the Cannes Film Festival?
1: Oh, for the Irishman. The Irishman. Well, that's done now. STX. That's got done.
0: It. STX of all people, uh, which is a new studio. For those that don't know, STX is is is, a, is, a, is is Robert Simon, this veteran producer. He created a new studio some years ago, and. Um,
1: and they, but they haven't really done much. They haven't
0: anything. done much. He's basically been loading up the relationships, getting a lot of you know lines of credit, a lot of cash to buy and make movies. And then they made their first big move when Relativity went into bankruptcy, and a lot of those Relativity films kind of were suddenly. Relativity needed some quick cash. They jumped in there and they bought a whole ton of Relativity titles, and just took them off their hands. So they have something of a slate now. They released like two movies, and they haven't done really, really terribly well. But but you know, The Irishman could be. I mean, look. If that thing can win Best Picture, suddenly you're a Best Picture winning company. Yeah, but that's a, but that budget's hundred million dollars. It's crazy. That's too, way too much. That's a hundred million dollar move, but they just made fifty million back. The Irishman literally has made back half its budget for its investors with a single domestic sale. That yeah. that is something that doesn't even happen on ten million dollar independent movies. This is now a one hundred million dollar big budget movie. And it's made half its budget back just with a, a single domestic sale. That's incredible. I mean, it's it's a it, for its investors. Maybe not for its distributors, but for its investors, that's a money winner.
1: Well, he, he, here's what they've had so far: the gift, which is yeah. a terrific film that mm-hmm. did well. Okay, yeah. uh, secret, in, secret in their eyes. Which I understand why they picked that up just based on the on the uh, cast alone. Yeah, it didn't did okay. Not that great. The boy. Wow, with a budget of ten million, made sixty-four million.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good low budget uh, kicker,
1: and then Hardcore Henry, which everybody hated, but yeah. it probably made them a couple dollars.
0: Well, so anyway, uh, b- b- so back to the subject. Robert De Niro will probably see his career redeemed by The Irishman. Martin Scorsese, Al Pacino, uh, you know who else is in that thing? It's it's kind of crazy. Pacino's never made a Scorsese movie, isn't that nuts? Oh, I can't wait. I, I I'm I'm kind of really looking. It's a gangster film. It's yes. like, come on, guys, please bring it. Be what you used to be. And I, I, but I have this deep-seated fear that when they finally make it, it's like they'll all kind of be at half speed. And like, it, Righteous kill two. Yeah, it is. Just, no. Oh no, you know. They, but let's hope they still bring it. You know, let's hope they can all still bring it. That should be that, that. That there's no reason why that should not be amazing. By the way, the story, the real, actual story of the Irishman. You ever read the book? I have not. It's pretty amazing. It really is. It should be a great movie. Well, you know The what? thing that scares me is they reverse aging in the thing. So they're going to use all kinds of digital effects to make them look younger, which Lame. scares the day- daylights Lame. out of me. Yeah
1: just don't be Black Mass like Black Mass is the gangster film everybody yeah. thought would just be like the, the yeah. super home no, run don't be Johnny that. Depp don't be Black that. Mass not great
0: anyway the, so the thing that mo- most annoys me in this is not just Robert De Niro and all of the just unbelievable in the gutter bad humor that's not funny but it's like this whole really disgusting relationship between Aubrey Plaza and uh, Robert De Niro and she of course is like a spring break girl who's you know, got a thing for some old guy and she like, wants to bet him. It's, uh, I, it's horrible. Cares. Anyway, it's horrible. Forget about it. it you just don't want to submit, subject yourself to that. Um, on the other side. On the, the other side of the mountain? Other side of the mountain. So we've got, uh, there's some decent I stuff. I like this
1: bra, though, because this is as close as I've gotten to a bra in like a year. So,
0: <laughs> well, I'm you really you know what? Keep it. Um, exactly. and, and keep the condom, too. Actually, keep the pills, Mark. You can keep all of that.
1: Throw it away!
0: Oh my gosh, it's just absolutely dreadful.
1: Unless somebody wants it, maybe, maybe whatever our, our, our listeners want. It. I'll yeah, tell you I'm what.
0: sure they do. It doesn't even have the logo on it or anything like that. No. It's just if you want a uh, if, if you if
1: you want a bottle of pills that says "Dirty Grandpa" on it, what, uh, I'll send it out. Wait, yeah. you don't have to pay for it. I'll send it out. That's myself. fine. How should we do this? We should say it's just a it's just a prescription bottle of green pills sure. that says "Dirty Grandpa" unrated on it. Yeah, that's right. The, the fifth person to email us at gods with the uh, subject line, Dirty Grandpa Pills.
0: Yeah, that's good. Mark
1: Heisman will personally
0: yeah, <laughs> put right. these
1: pills in an envelope and send them to you. Yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. right? Perfect. So hang on.
1: No, wait. The fifth person weighs so against this. But I'll pay for it. That's fine. The fifth, I'm just making this up right now. Sure. The fifth person to email us with the uh, 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 subject line, Dirty Grandpa. What did I say? Dirty Grandpa's Pills. Fifth person to email us, com. Subject line, Dirty Grandpa's Pills will get this Prescription bottle of probably green Tic Tacs. Sure. And don't forget to include your address for my <laughs> sake.
0: I, no one's gonna want it. Huh? <laughs> no one's gonna want it. Well, that's because we didn't like announce it or promote uh, or anything. Yeah. Just, I just
1: came up with it. We but have still, a Vox.
0: We have a Vox box today, by <gasps> way Yes, we do. Not yet. Oh. Yeah.
1: I'm I'm, I'm yeah. keeping this dirty grandpa thing. I'm. Just, I'm saying fifth yeah. person. Dirty grandpa's pills in the subject line. If you do not leave your address, you are disqualified. Fifth person, I will send that to you.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, why do you hate that so much? I just it's whatever. So okay, so here's a good little here's a good little movie I want people to check out is uh, Jack of the Red Hearts uh, because it has not just the lovely Famke Jansen in it who has done next to nothing since they knocked her out of the X Men series. Because she's uh, like
1: fifty years old and she's still trying to be hot and, and you know and I mean, she's, she's a
0: beautiful woman. Just don't try to just act your age. I saw her walking down the street once in Paris. Did I ever mention that? It's the weirdest thing when you're. I mean, it's wonderful to be in Paris, but then suddenly you go. That was Famke Janssen. Just walk right past it. No, she's been there many, many more times. Than a I lot think. more times than I have. That's for sure. I'm sure. Anyway, uh, so she. But she's not the star of this thing. The star of this is Anna Sophia Robb, who was who is now kind of growing out of her child star years and into being quite an amazing young actress and uh, much better of a, a much better actress, I think, in the long run than uh, any of the, uh, the 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 what's her name, the two sisters.
1: Olson
0: sisters? No, 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 no. The 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 The, the, the with the with sisters? the sisters? Yeah, from uh, the the. I don't know.
1: Give me sure. The, oh
0: gosh. The, what? Don't stop the recording. No, I'm not going to. Why am I drawing such a blank on the uh, two sisters? Uh, the uh, with the funny names. You know Mia Wasikowska. About. No, the. Uh, oh, my brain is totally frying. From the Name uh, one
1: movie they've been in.
0: The Sofia Coppola film. Okay, a couple films. Oh, this is a moment, folks. This wait, is a moment. No, did they, they, oh, this is horrible. Don't
1: stop the recording. I'm not going. So wait, to. so is it the Iron nowhere? Jack?
0: The, the, no, yes, nowhere.
1: Nowhere. Okay.
0: Nowhere. Who, who are the sisters in nowhere? Uh, no, no, one of them was in nowhere. The oh gosh, I'm this no, just
1: no, just go. Keep senility
0: going. on a Sunday morning. I should uh, have um, had hang breakfast. Hang on, I'm
1: I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to look this up for you right now, Roger. Right, should have had I'm breakfast. I'm going to bail you out.
0: Should have had breakfast.
1: Um, th- what?
0: Should have had what breakfast. My brain's not working this morning.
1: Th- there, there were. Listeners nowhere, sp- the, the, the Coppola film.
0: Yes. You're, you're, you're oh, helping. Oh, that's the Gregor Oh, great. Oh, this is. We're not, we're not going to cover a single title on this show.
1: Wait, Sophia Coppola directed a movie called Nowhere. Unbelievable. Sophia. goddamn it. Learn how to type.
0: Sophia. Unless it's somewhere. What was it? Oh, there? I think it was somewhere. Somewhere. There it is. You fed me nowhere and I ate. <laughs> that was all I had for breakfast. We're Bad dead. information from Mark fed to me across the table. Terrible. Oh, Elle Fanning. Elle Fanning. The Fanning sisters. I haven't Thank thought you. about the Fanning oh, sisters gosh. in a couple years. I don't know what they're doing. Well, anyway, th- they're good, you know, both of them, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, an- we just
1: can't remember their name, but they're oh, fantastic.
0: Anna-Sophia Robb, much better, and uh, going to have a bigger career. So, anyway, this is a little movie. All from- that
1: for Elle Fanning? Like I know. <laughs> it not even
0: This is what this show is. It's a train wreck, but it's a beautiful train wreck. <laughs> so, anyway, uh, Anna-Sophia Robb, uh, really, really good in this. Plays, you know, she kind of toughs it up, plays a runaway and uh, there's an intri- It becomes uh, a, kind of a, a cool character drama, and um, dealing with autism and family and you know belonging and all of these interesting little um, all these interesting little things. You know, when when people fall into circumstances they didn't plan for, and uh, how do you take negative circumstances and turn them into something positive? and that's what's really that's what's really compelling about this it's very heartfelt it's really nicely put together jack of the red hearts directed by janet grio who does a really really fine job uh most importantly handles her actors really really well so uh i think this is a nice little discovery and then uh let's see real quickly um cuz we've got a lot to talk about so just a few more other few other new movies um Mark has just left the room. I think he's just abandoned me. Mark? Where'd you go? Oh, Mark? Okay, Mark's not here. No, oh, there you are. Okay. No, I'm no, I'm oh. hang on. Okay. I'll keep talking. About it, I'll keep talking? Mark, did you know there's a kindergarten cop, too? It's all new. It's yeah, it's all new. It stars Dolph Lundgren. Um... Pretty terrible, I gotta say. I, uh, it, it, it tries to get the same mileage as the uh, first one, which is, uh, which, by the way, I mean, we're way too long after the fact to try to get any mileage out of a sequel to a Schwarzenegger film that does not have Schwarzenegger in it. And uh, the idea of some tough cop played by a European actor with a thick accent who uh, has to balance being a tough cop with having kids climb all over him that he's not prepared for, that works once. It doesn't work a second time, especially when you're swapping an an aging Dolph Lundgren in for uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime. Just does not work. Uh, So anyway, I I guess maybe on straight to DVD, this is going to get a little bit of mileage, kind of, sort of, from people who have nothing better to do. But it's basically the same movie. I don't get it. Deleted scenes in a gag reel, and, then, and that's it. And it's just not very funny. Dolph Lundgren doesn't, even, he doesn't have the same self-awareness. I mean, we've interviewed Dolph on this show, and he's a nice guy, but he doesn't have the same comedic self-awareness that, that Schwarzenegger has. It no, just it, doesn't...
1: And there was a moment when, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme might have had that. He had I, this little bit of a blip.
0: He does have it, though. He just doesn't know how to exploit it. He needs somebody else to exploit it for him. By the way, Yeah.
1: the New York Post... Yes. Did an article on Jean Claude Van Damme's daughter, yes, who was like smoking hot, yeah, and is an, is also a martial artist, yeah, and you, you've you've got to Google New York Post Jean Claude Van Damme's daughter, something okay, like that. and you will you will be staring at
0: really something pretty hot, serious, and she oh yeah, so hang is on. she is she a big deal? Is she doing a movie? Nah, she's trying to. Okay,
1: uh, hang on. Let me show, right, me. Oh, uh, I'll tell you what. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll finest hours, you know Disney. I have to give them credit for doing a pretty good job on these mid-budgeted sort of, uh, you know, family adventure films. Sometimes yeah. they kind of knock out of the park on these. Now, Finest Hour is a bit uh, middling. It stars uh, Chris Pine, who, um, you know, Chris Pine was like the thing for like a second, and now he's sort of just like doing stuff. Uh, but Casey Affleck's in it, too, is what, wh- along with uh, uh, Ben Foster and uh, Eric Bana. Anyway, this is about this uh, rescue mission in the 1950s, four men, four Coast Guard troops, Um, trying to go out to uh, save a crippled oil tanker. And um, it's good stuff. Directed by Craig Gillespie. The the characters are all stock types. Uh, The rescue stuff is all very professionally handled. So it's a very fastball down the middle, middle of the road adventure story. The DVD looks great. There's a bunch of... um, Special features on it, including something about the U.S. Coast Guard, which of course is always uh, is always worth it. So, um, the rescue stuff really is the reason you're here, and all that stuff is very well edited and really well staged. It looks great. And Carter Burwell is one of my favorite composers. Uh, he just really knocks out of the park with the score. So, yeah, finest hours. If it's Saturday night, you got nothing going on. I guess you can do worse than um, you know than the completely acceptably average finest hours.
0: Okay, so dementia. Okay,
1: well, what, what was I going to tell you?
0: I don't know. You're gonna say something about uh, Chris Pine.
1: Oh, I forgot
0: already. You, you, uh, it's
1: like the all. It's like the all Alzheimer's show. Yeah. I was gonna say something, and then I said, "I'll do I'll do uh, Finest Hours first, and then I forgot.
0: Oh no, it was before the Chris Pine thing. You you got off onto a uh, tangent that I I really oh, don't care about. So I, I just. All right. So carrying on. Speaking of, we now have a movie called <laughs> Dementia, which is pretty much which is basically about what's happening right now. We're very meta. So <laughs> Dementia is. Um, uh, dementia, I guess the best way to describe this is like this is a cross between Misery and the uh, – what's the Takashi Miike film with the uh, the woman who uh, tortures the guy just uh, with Oh, the- Audition. Audition, right. So this is like a cross between Misery and Audition. And uh, you basically have a guy who's a war hero and uh, he's having Vietnam flashbacks and whatnot and he has – then he has a stroke. And on top of that, he's he he has dementia. So there's stroke and dementia. I'm not. I guess the stroke from dementia. So the in any case, he winds up being uh, put in the care of a full-time nurse who is horrendous. She is an absolute straight-up psychotic, and that's uh, that's the movie. There you go. So uh, you know the whole Vietnam flashback thing. I don't know if they, they really needed to go there. I I guess it it adds a little something. But anyway, is the film effective? Yeah, I guess it's effective in the same way that Misery and Audition were already effective, but uh it's not really anything new. Uh that's on Blu-ray from IFC, directed by Mike Teston, never heard of before. Um it's competently done. Can't say that I actually think that much of the script, which is written by Meredith Berg, but there you go. If you, you know, if that sounds like something you want to, you know, have for a nice Saturday evening sipping tea, by, by all means, go for it.
1: That's what I do on Saturday night. I sip tea. I know you do. And I watch bad movies like Synchronicity. Is it really? Is it bad? Uh, yeah. It's too bad. It, it, it has nothing to do with uh, the police uh, song mm. album, Synchronicity. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's about this, uh, it, you know what, it's one of those films that uh, where you feel the director, Jacob Gentry, has seen all the big sci-fi films we've all seen too, like Blade Runner and Dark City, and it's all about this, uh, this, scientist who uncovers the secret of time travel and you can tell for um for this guy jacob gentry that the film is nothing but just a uh, a reel for his visual effects you know prowess because there's all sorts of there's a lot of like you know weird camera angles and crazy architecture and it looks very dystopian and it's all you know it's all you know cement and and digital stuff and it just it just looks it looks like a, just a, a show reel. for him to direct, like, the next big science fiction, you know, tentpole. And that's not telling a story. So, you know, and the thing, too, is that when you – it doesn't even look that great. It looks better on Blu-ray than it did on the big screen where it got a very brief release. But – and the Blu-ray is from Magnet. But ultimately this thing looks fine because that's the only purpose it has for the director is to look fine. But the story itself is uh, not great.
0: That's too bad. Okay, so we got a couple of a uh, couple of little cool low budget jobs here. Uh, both of them decently done, despite having very few resources to work with. I always I'm always curious to see you know when you got films that can sort of make something make something out of nothing in an interesting way. Uh, the the lesser of the two, but it certainly has its attributes. Is Southbound, uh, which um, which is uh kind of a it's sort of a it's sort of a, a an omnibus slash portmanteau horror thriller thing there are there are actually uh five different stories that all sort of intersect and the way that they, the way that they sort of do this is actually very clever artwork they show like a uh a pentagram made of roads on the cover of this thing and you go oh, okay i and then you know five tales i get it there you know it, it, it i get it five scary roads five different paths okay so anyway that's the uh that's the issue here Anyway, so five different stories of people who are uh, trying to find something, get away from something, find someone, get away from someone. And it all uh, it, it all sort of goes south in really interesting and very stylish ways. Um, this is from The Orchard, who uh, is doing a lot of really interesting stuff lately. And a, and a good friend of ours, a longtime publicist, just went over there to uh, head things up. So The Orchard is doing increasingly interesting stuff. Um, It's pretty stylishly done Well written uh, Not going to appeal to all tastes But it's um, I think it's decent And then What I think is really really cool Is Dusk which is a very interesting little low-budget thriller from Monarch about a guy whose wife is kidnapped and whose kidnappers lure him to presumably what is going to be the place where, you know, you have to pay the ransom and get a release and all of that. And he goes to the hoop. But the issue is, is he all there? You know, he, his sanity is somewhat in question throughout this thing. So um, that makes it interesting. It's the unreliable narr- uh, narrator trick that you often get in thrillers, which sometimes feels more like a gimmick, but here it's actually a dramatic device, and I thought it was done very nicely. So uh, that is Dusk from Monarch, um, written and directed by a guy named Michael Maney. Keep your eye on these people. They'll be uh, they'll be there for, for a while.
1: How to Be Single is uh, a bad movie, and I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm not a woman. However, I am single. But uh, anyway, this movie, which was very um, blandly directed by uh, Christian Ditter... Stars uh, Dakota Johnson, who is very bland in this movie, Rebel Wilson, who I'm tired of already, Allison Brie, and Leslie Mann, who I kind of like. And it's all about these uh, women living in New York, and uh, they're trying not to be single. You know, one's the, alcohol, the workaholic uh, doctor, and they, the, the thing is is that— This should have been funny. Well—
0: It should have been. With those people, with that, it's, that it's cast. Sort of this,
1: it's true, but it's sort of this awkward hybrid between romantic comedy— And, you know, oh, my God, R-rated girls just want to have fun and make penis jokes, kind of a, you know, comedy. Dirty Grandpa. They
0: should have all met Dirty Grandpa. We should have hooked Dirty Grandpa up with them and then not made either movie.
1: And Rebel Wilson to me, I just she she just says to me, I'm gonna say I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna go there, <laughs> and you love me for it because I go there. And I'm like, you know what, just you know you 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 know where you can go, you can go back to Australia and go do TV because I just don't really care anymore.
0: You're she horrible. really has. She really does only have one gear, doesn't she? Yeah,
1: the I'm gonna go there gear. Yeah, that's it. And that's why you love me because I yeah. go there. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> these uh, anyway, it's just it's just not good.
0: Oh, uh, it's too bad. That's a couple really feature
1: ads that got deleted. The gag reel's funny because you know, it's funny. <laughs> Dakota Johnson, though, I I like her a lot. I I think she might be limited in terms of range, but I do like
0: her. She's turning out to be a much more interesting actress than really? I ever. Yeah, I think I, She's I bland. Now, now that well, might be
1: the director here because the director doesn't really bring much.
0: I I. I, I say that only not because she's done some amazing. She was work. very good,
1: and she was the only good thing about Fifty Shades of Grey, which is a terrible movie. But she was like a breakout. The, well, in This it. is
0: what I'm saying. I to look at her and to think, okay, you know, you got famous parentage and yada yada yeah, yada. There's something a, there. Yeah, you know, and, and famous grandparentage and whatever. You you, you you know, you think, okay, fine. You know, you're sort of coasting, but then you realize, no, she's got some chops. Like there is something there. So I, I am curious to see where her career goes, because I do think there's more there than meets the eye. I think, I think she might some...
1: wind up doing, like, some European Best Picture nominee <clears throat> or something like that. Something where totally. she becomes, like, you know, like Rachel Weisz or, uh, or Kristen, Kristen Scott Thomas. Kristen... or No, no, the other one. Kristen... Uh, yeah. Not Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Yeah. She does those, maybe she could do those sorts of films.
0: Kristen Stewart. I mean, who would have expected her, after all this Twilight nonsense and getting raked over the coals for just being a horrible actress, and suddenly she goes and she does a French film and wins, like... You know, the only the, American actress to win the Cesar. To whatever. win the Cesar for okay. Best Actress. It's have just you, bizarre.
1: Have you seen the trailer for Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk? Yes. I'm, I, I'm really into it. Are you? I am. Really? I feel like it's such an interesting... The, the story reminded me of a Clint Eastwood film that was totally... Do you remember when Clint Eastwood came out, came out with two films at the same Flags time? Flags of Our fathers, fathers and
0: Letters from Iwo Jima, yeah. Right.
1: I liked Flags of Our Fathers more than uh, most people because I, I liked the idea of how the media was trying to manipulate... Our feelings towards the war. I, now, this movie, Billy Lynn's Half Time Walk, Long Half Time Walk. It's the same thing.
0: I, I realize that, but the trailer is a sort of creatively. The tra- it, it looks like they're trying to make a work of art out of the trailer, as opposed to something that's selling me a movie. And I will look at the trailer and I go. It's a nice trailer. It's interesting—the cross-cutting between the Super Bowl and the thing, and the, you know, the the war and all. But I really don't. I'm not. I'm not feeling it. It's gonna be good. I'm not feeling it. It's gonna be good. I know it should. It, it's it's bound to be good. It's Ang Lee. I I just, I'm just not feeling it. Really? Yeah, I'm not feeling. Right. it. Plus, it's uh it's a, it's a Academy aspect ratio. The trailer. It's very weird. Why they do that? Uh,
1: why do they do that? I don't yeah. know.
0: Maybe no, it takes not, place during... Uh, it's not widescreen. No. It's a very strange. Trailer. Well,
1: you know what? Well, here's the thing. Ultimately, the film will be widescreen. That's like uh, nothing but... It's yeah, Lee. It's not going to have, yeah, I know. Gonna
0: it's have it's very effects strange. and craziness. It's an odd choice. Okay. And then lastly, on the new movie subject, we did review Joy, uh, I guess a week or two weeks ago, whatever it was. We finally got our 4K Ultra HD of Joy, and it uh, doesn't make any difference.
1: You, you even the movie is just as much of a mess it's, in four in four K. Well,
0: it's you know what it's it's just not. Uh, I mean you do get some uh, additional you know stuff on the four K, but um, just in terms of you know the the the, the audio selections and all that. But it's, um, it's just, I mean, I still like the film. I'm still one of the only people that likes it, but it's not one of, it's not one of those films that uh, you put in 4K and suddenly it just blows off the screen and you go, oh, my gosh, it's just a it's night and day difference. It's, just, it's not that It's movie. more like
1: afternoon and dusk difference.
0: There you go. That's what it is. All right, Mark, um, let's get into some television. I'm going to start us off with some uh, Brit TV. I'm going to blow through some great Brit TV, okay? Are you good with that? you're going to wear it you're going to put a you're putting the bra on. you are you really are you seriously i'm going to make you laugh oh my gosh i briefly will the laugh a yeah laugh bad grandpa bra <laughs> Ooh, he, which by the way i th- i
1: i could throw this into the uh, into the
0: uh... <laughs> that will make it so much more attractive okay here's what i'm going to do
1: For the fifth person
0: to oh email us at uh, godsanddiggas.com
1: go. with the uh, subject line bad grandpa's uh, pills also gets the bra yeah it's a size 4 from yeah. h&m Okay I'm going to throw this In an envelope mm-hmm. Okay So make sure you know That you're getting the bra too So if you have like if, if it's like a creepy thing Where you're Open up an envelope And there's a bra on it And it's like a weird thing Just know that Yeah you should there be. you go Or if you want You can always say Don't include the bra
0: So the. Bra- but I will
1: include the bra If oh. you're number
0: five. All right, the Broken Wood Mysteries Series 2 from Acorn. Got a lot of stuff from Acorn this week. Uh, The Broken Wood Mysteries Series 2. This is a really, really cool new mystery series uh, on uh, British television. Gotta check this out. Um, really great stuff. A lot of uh, Twin Peaks kind of opened up the door on all of this. Things are not right in suburbia, thing, right? Where you know you bad things don't just happen in the in the city. You can go out to where you think it's peaceful and tranquil, and that's where things get really dark and gruesome. And that was Twin Peaks that kind of cracked the door open on that, and uh, a lot of series, British and American, have gone there since. By the way, new Twin Peaks is coming out soon. Yeah. They're, they're shooting it right now. They're done shooting. They're posting.
1: You know. Can I say something about Twin Peaks? Yeah.
0: What? I never I know. Well, you're, gonna, you're gonna get it on this one. Maybe man. I should
1: watch the, I never watched the show. Yeah. It seemed too weird for me. Like I feel like I had to be stoned or something to really. It's funny too, it. looking
0: at the credits my, my wife was just seeing. I mean, you know, we know half the people that are working on the show. It's all the same people from the Lynch crowd. But anyway, so uh Brokenwood Mysteries is kind of in that same vein. Now this is this is not British per se. This is, you know, we're commonwealth here, but this is uh, this is part of Acorn and uh and, you know, their whole kind of, uh, they, you know, British TV vein. But it's, uh, it's a great mystery, great set of mysteries, four mysteries here. Um, takes place in New Zealand, in the North Island. And much like, you know, you have that same feel as you had, again, with Top of the Lake, the Jane Campion thing. And um, it's, uh, it's, it's just really, really well written and really well acted and really nice, nicely put together. Uh, good, solid mysteries. And it's on DVD and Blu-ray. And then uh, also from Acorn, we got a thing called Mayday, which is, uh, this is five episodes on two discs. It has a really, really cool cast, including Leslie Manville, who I just absolutely adore. She can do no wrong for me. Leslie Manville has, you know, I mean, from her Mike Lee stuff, and uh, we love Leslie She was Manville. nominated for an Oscar for she was. Um,
1: the, what, 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 one of those Mike Lee films. I
0: forgot. Yeah, yeah I, I can't remember which one was. Hang it. on. All of the, was it All, the, well, whatever. all or Nothing? Yeah, I think it was all or nothing. Let's let's see. Anyway, this is really really cool. Um, are you familiar with May Day? You know the May Day thing. We call it Labor Day here, and we celebrate it in a different month other than May. We're like in September whenever we do it. But uh, you know the May Day thing that was originally a communist holiday. Okay, right. Yeah. So really uh, anyway, the uh, well this this deals with the there's like a parade on May Day. And uh, the problem is this. Well, we're into creepy village time again here, right? Maybe so she was nominated.
1: I could have sworn she was nominated for an Oscar.
0: I did too. Well, maybe not. Huh. this is this is our this is our dementia show. <laughs> That's really what it is. is. This is our dementia show. We're wrong on everything. So anyway, this is the uh, blah, 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 blah. Nope, so was uh, not nominated for an Oscar. Anyway, uh, you got a creepy village. It's May Day, and a teenage girl disappears. Uh, and uh, suddenly things get really, really dark. And uh, again, you know, it's that it, that really cool twin Peaksy top of the lakey broken wood mystery, weirdness out in the uh, in a place where you think that things should be right. And it gets really dark and weird and cool, and uh, I think it's awesome. I, I really do. So five episodes of May Day. Definitely check that out. Um, here's another great show. Absolutely great show. Uh, 19-2. 19-2, season one. Uh, you know what I love about I like this? The guy
1: on the right, he's, like, he's got his back to the camera, but he's, he's turned
0: to... <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's looking at the person who's going to buy this, and what he's thinking, um, don't bother me. What are you doing? Who are you looking at? Too tough guy. That's terrible. It's it's really this is actually really really a square good.
1: Square jawed Christopher Reeves, Superman looking guy.
0: I know this is really good. So we're back into Commonwealth uh, territory here. This takes place in Montreal and uh, at Station Nineteen. Basically deals with uh, you know the uh, the the Montreal police and uh, it's got a. This is a straight up kind of uh, procedural. Really, really interesting. Uh, some very, very, you know, I, I don't particularly like a lot of Canadian television. There's a lot of crap on Canadian television because it's usually heavily government-subsidized and financed just so that they don't get stuck with too much American TV. So you get sort of a lot of space filler up there. But um, this is really, really good. It's intense. It's well-written. Uh, it's, it kind of captures, you know, the whole Quebec thing in a really interesting cultural way. So I, uh, I would highly recommend season one of 192. And then, uh, let's see, go through here real quickly, knock these uh, last few out. We've got Dominion Creek, uh, which is uh, also from Acorn. Uh, Dominion Creek takes place in 1897, and it's uh, basically a western. Um, fascinating, uh, kind of gritty western in the deadwood, vo- uh, deadwood mold, um, dealing specifically with uh, looking for gold in the Yukon. Really interesting. Uh, that's worth checking out. Then we've got, um, let's see, And Then There Were None, Agatha Christie, a new version from uh, a Networks that was aired on the BBC. This is on Blu-ray. And uh, if you know And Then There Were None, it's one of the all-time Agatha Christie classics. It's been imitated a thousand times. This just actually has an incredible cast, which includes, among others, the great Charles Dance and uh, Sam Neill um they are just absolutely superb in it and uh, Miranda Richardson is is not quite as great as I would have wanted her to be but she's she's also in it it's just a great it's just a really really first rate cast so um you can there's no way that you can go wrong with them there were none season 3 for a place to call home which is the uh, a wonderful Australian family drama uh, that uh, continues to be compellingly written and acted and uh, very well, nicely put together. Uh, I, I wouldn't call it... It's kind of like... It's sort of, I don't know, uh, Dynasty in Australia a little bit. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it, it, this is it maybe more... Kind of halfway between Dynasty and Downton Abbey in Australia. Anyway, Place to Call Home. Really, really a good show. Continues to be really solid. And then uh, Midwinter of the Spirit, which is a supernatural um, procedural that uh, is fine, I guess. Um, good good acting. I can't say that the whole supernatural part of it really, really works for me very well. But uh, I'd have to probably read the novel. This is based on a novel, so uh, it might be worth checking out. But, I mean, there's some good acting in here. Uh, Anna Maxwell Martin, um, you know tries to kind of, she gives it a little bit of a cool sheen, but you know, it's like, sort of like, uh, I don't know like an an exorcism horror thing meets uh, CSI I don't know if that's really the right way to, right way to put it and then uh, Mr. Suffrage, the final season, season 4 this is from PBS uh, this show was really, really good in its first three seasons, and then the fourth season just kind of was on fumes, it tried to piggyback a little bit too much on Downton Abbey So Jeremy Piven now has to go find another job again. He went from uh, he he jumped from Entourage into this rather ably and did a great job. But uh, we it's time it's time Mr. Suffrage, Mr. Selfridge, however you want to pronounce it. And then a couple of Shaun the Sheep uh, releases here. We have season two of uh, Sean the Sheep the TV show which is lovely if you've seen the movie go back check out season 2 of the show or season 1 for that matter Uh, 40 episodes they're all really short though they're short little vignettes no dialogue great silent uh, comedy very creative all the same characters really beautifully put together very very fun stuff and then a new release Sean the Sheep uh, Sheep on the Loose uh, which is again all the same characters and an awful lot of fun this is a little bit longer this is 42 minutes and uh, a, uh, a, I won't tell you I mean, it, it, it all kind of plugs in beautifully And those darn pigs make me laugh So there it is That's our, our uh, quick run through British and Commonwealth TV uh, Mark, what do we have on the regular TV front?
1: Well, we have uh, Lou Grant And I have a weird relationship with Lou Grant Which is right, not to say I, I, I've been sleeping with Ed Asner Because I haven't been But, um, you know, the Mary Tyler Moore show Was one of my favorite shows of all time One of the shows that made me want to work in television and so there was a 30-minute sitcom, right? Yep. That's the Mary Tyler Moore Show. Sure. So then they spin off Lou Grant, of which, uh, you know, Lou and Mary had all sorts of sparkling dialogue together, and he was the gruff guy. You've He's got a, spunk. You've got spunk. and I, I love that. spunk. <laughs> it was fantastic. And then, so what, what do they do? They take a 30-minute sitcom and spin Lou Grant off into a one-hour drama.
0: They take a character who is effectively a grumpy, overwritten, comedic uh, foil, and they turn him into a straight-up, real, dramatic journalistic titan and they completely changed the character it's I mean he almost there's almost nothing in common except for the name and the job
1: Uh, he worked at a well he worked at a newspaper yeah and which was weird and none of the characters from Mary Tyler Moore ever no. showed up although I think Flo showed up like once
0: but the, the the thing is it became one of the most successful TV shows of its time I know it, it was, was up for incredible. Like, a, like a billion
1: primetime Emmy Awards like Golden every, Globes every year Peabody.
0: It, it, every year was a huge Emmy thing I mean and it, it was really really well written and Ed Asner was terrific in it I mean it was a very strange transition from sitcom to drama but
1: but I never got into it because when I was that age I was very yeah. very young watching the Mary Tyler Moore show yeah, and right. I thought it was hilarious Larry Funny, and then here's Lou Grant just you're like I'm you not know, laughing I'm not laughing I don't want to watch this <laughs> I know. but this is the first season on uh, DVD 22 episodes Shout Factory um, in new interview with Ed Asner um, obviously much older now it's funny like when we were first watching the show I would look at Ed Asner and mm-hmm. you can see him on the cover of the DVD Wade yeah I was looking at Ed Asner thinking he must be 70 years old
0: right now mm-hmm. you realize
1: when you look at him now how old we are yeah we're probably older than he was in this shot I know Right? We watched the show. Originally, he looked like he was a million.
0: I know. Now we're like older than him. scary, right? We're worlding. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, Mystery Science Theater 3000, this is um, volume two. So we get this thing, uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, volume two. And everybody knows how much I love Mystery Science Theater 3000. And I'm looking at this going, volume two, well, they've already released like 20 volumes of this thing already. Why is this suddenly volume two? And I look at the back of the box, and it says, "Take that third-party sellers." Volume two is back in print and better than ever. I'm like, "Wait a second. So I go to my completely uh, comprehensive Mystery Science Theater three thousand collection, and here is Volume two.
0: Uh huh. This
1: is the one that I guess is out of print. Okay. This is the original one that was released in uh, you know whatever it was, two thousand two. Yeah. And it has the same. It's the same thing. It just uh, much much uh, slimmer casing. It has Angel's Revenge, Cave Dwellers, Pod People, Shorts, Volume 1. So if the one that I have with this cute little... Uh,
0: that's much cooler. But that's the got thing, the whole little wheel and the packaging thing, and he, wow.
1: And if this is out of print, I should keep this. Oh,
0: yeah, for sure. Instead
1: of having this.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because that's going to be valuable for collectors.
1: Well, the only thing is that I, 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 like, I like watching them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I guess I should just keep this one.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Now this one, now the the new one is better because the packaging is way slimmer.
0: Well, it's the yeah, it's a, it's a keep case. It's plastic. It's you know, it's more durable. But you got you got a fun So little... if
1: you have your original Mystery Science Theater three thousand mm. Volume two, you may want to keep that. Like I'm keeping mine because. Um, It'll be worse on me someday. Okay. Now, well, actually, I'm curious to see.
0: It got all the got all those all those shorts on it. I've seen a lot of these actually. Well,
1: the short here's the thing. Body it,
0: care and grooming is very funny.
1: The only um, the only mystery science. Uh, Why to study me,
0: industrial arts? To me, That's the only great. the
1: only mystery science theater volumes worth keeping are the ones that include shorts because the shorts yeah. were the best.
0: A date with your family. I, I that I, was funny. Yeah.
1: Anyway, so there you go, folks. So mystery science volume two. If you have the original. Packaging, which I do, uh, you might want to keep that. If you don't, then you should get this one because the packaging is slimmer, which is always better for the shelf. Yeah.
0: All right, so uh, got some uh, got some television to roll through classic TV. This is all really interesting stuff. So my friend Flicka. Which, oh my God! Y- you ever see my friend Flicka?
1: That, you know what, my friend my friend Flicka <laughs> was the punchline for so many jokes of that era. Because you know what I mean, like Bob, anyway, like Bob Hope. Anyway, yeah, it was like my friend Flicka. <laughs> It's just terrible.
0: Well, the movie My Friend Flicka starred a very young Roddy McDowell, a little older than he was in uh, How Green Was My Valley, but it starred a very young Roddy McDowell, and it was lovely. It's basically a boy-and-his-horse movie. Uh, You know, Flicka, Flicka. Roddy McDowell had that voice his whole career. So what I had never realized was that this was actually a TV series. Oh, yeah. I grew up on 60s television, okay, so... To me, every, anything from the 50s that wasn't Leave it to Beaver or you know Ozzie and Harriet, I really, that was all in Isle of Lucy. That was kind of it. The A lot of the other stuff from the 50s, I discovered later. So there are a lot of 50s TV shows that sort of just fell by the wayside that were not rerunning when I was growing up. And this is one of them. This one just completely vanished. And this is out from uh, Shout Factory, who mined it from 20th Century Fox. And uh, it only ran for a single season, 39 episodes. So this is the complete run of it, uh, and they turn it into a. You know, obviously, uh, you do not have Roddy McDowell here. You have Johnny Washbrook, but uh, it's essentially the same thing. It's a. You know, he's a, he's a little kid, and he lives with his parents, and he's. You know, turn, it takes place around about 1900. It's kind of sort of western, kind of modern, not quite a western, not quite modern, and he loves his horse, and that's it. And uh, 1956 to 57 is when it uh, when it uh, it. Aired about a you know 13, fourteen years after the original film. and um, it's fine it It's sort of I guess I like it better than Gentle Ben or um, uh, any of the other animal kid and animal shows, uh, Flipper. Was the other one, you know. I mean there were a lot of kid and animal shows at that time. So I guess I probably like this better just because I'm not really into bears and I don't really have a great affection for dolphins interacting with humans. Oh, I also love dolphins. I like I horses. A kid. I like horses.
1: They well they, they shoot horses, don't they? Oh,
0: man. That was a movie. Yeah uh Wonder Years season 5 continues to be very wonder yearish these things uh you know uh, keep getting put out now now that they've got the song rights issues all sorted out so they released the whole thing obviously uh, a little over a year ago and that giant uh uh locker case and now we're releasing the individual seasons and uh really putting the emphasis on all the great songs and uh the songs are almost the at this point really the only reason to to go for this so uh, a lot of great stuff on here you know the archies and frankie avalon and uh uh, linda ronstadt and Joni mitchell and muddy waters a lot of great stuff on here a fun show dates kind of poorly i have to i have to be honest once you get around to like past one season of this thing it starts to feel like it's kind of belaboring the point but the, st- the music and the integration of the music is still terrific uh, Carol Plus Two the original Queens of Comedy this is um, the, a, a, uh, a television special that included um, Carol Burnett and Lucille Ball and uh, a lot of people probably didn't even know that that happened and it did in 1966 and it's actually really 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 great um, it's a little weird seeing the two of them together because they represent kind of iconic comedy actresses from different eras and their styles of comedy are not quite the same but they mesh rather nicely and uh, they add to this some really wonderful extras including the 1972 Once Upon a Mattress which was a TV movie that, played, uh, Car- that starred Carol, uh, Ken Barry, Jane White, Bernadette Peters and Jack Guilford and uh, then there's also a, uh, a little featurette that has Carol Burnett talking about Woman, which is uh, a character that she introduced on Carol and Company uh, in the 1960s. And uh, I got to tell you, man, it's kind of, it's just like a weird piece of history. Because I, 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 I guess I knew this had happened, but I was not thoroughly aware of it. But anyway, uh, Carol Burnett and um, Lucille Ball together in a great 1960s uh, TV special. And then real quickly, um, we've got the Red Skelton show, the best of the early years, 1955 to 58. Um, really raw stuff, but lots of fun characters. Red Skelton is the best. The little bits on here, they, they probably feel unsophisticated by modern standards, but uh, Red Skelton's still one of the great all-time classics on TV. Uh, the final season of Facts of Life, uh, really, this this needed to kind of come to an end. So they they bring uh, that to an end. Now you have the complete series of Facts of Life is out there on uh, on DVD, season nine, and then The Beverly Hillbillies gets its digitally remastered first season finally released, including the original extended pilot episode, uh, one of the all time classic TV shows. This basically you know preceded Green Acres, which is Beverly Hillbillies turned inside out. And uh, really great performances here, fun stuff. Granny and Jed Clampett and Jethro cannot get enough of this stuff. This was this was like it's about my time they came out with that. This what was my childhood. So Let me see. Well, the I, first I, season's been out before, but they, it, it looked crappy. They remastered it, and then also there are a lot of Beverly Hillbillies shows episodes that are I never not liked the show. that are in the public domain. You know about this, right?
1: I never liked the show, although Buddy Epson was funny.
0: There are about six, seven, eight episodes that are in the public domain for some strange reason. And they have been released in really, really bad copies from bad videotape masters at least 50 or 60 times by these little bottom feeder distribution companies. But because the, the show is in the public domain doesn't mean the theme song is. So every single one of them throws some kind of generic hillbilly music over the original theme song so that you can get away with releasing it without having to get the license for it. It's kind of cheesy. So this is what you want to get. You definitely want to go with the Beverly Hillbillies, the official first season, digitally remastered uh, for the first time. Looks much better than it did previously. So uh, definitely check it out. And the, and the pilot is the pilot is really fascinating.
1: No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Yes. We have something very special to talk about. Oh, it's the worst show. Oh, so, my gosh. So Stephen Botchko, this is probably before many of you were even born. Stephen Botchko, we all know him. You know Stephen Botchko, Hill Street Blues. It's amazing and, uh, his career
0: didn't end after this.
1: NYPD Blue and Doogie Hauser and all these great shows. He was the king. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1990, he decided uh, that you know what, he was done producing good shows, <laughs> and he decided to produce uh, one of the worst shows ever made, oh which, by gosh. the way, is universally considered one of the worst shows
0: ever it's made. Truly dreadful.
1: And uh, it's I just show... don't.
0: I don't know what bit him. It's it's just weird. Why would you? I don't know.
1: It is a combination of a, a police procedural, which he did so brilliantly multiple times on primetime TV, and musical. So essentially what we have is cop rock. And cop rock from 1990 Horrible. is a show that uh, combines procedural. You know, It's uh, cops in, uh, in, in uniform, and it looks very serious, and they're solving crimes. And then every once in a while, they'll just break out into song because that's what they do on cop rock. And it's very funny because on the back of the box, Shout Factory, it's funny, I, I'm actually surprised Shout Factory did this because in the back of the box they say, Cop Rock is finally on DVD, a cause for both celebration and a long overdue reappraisal. That yes,
0: has no, been that's been called not one of
1: the most unusual programs of all time. Now, it was not called one of the most unusual, it was called one of the worst. And this thing was canceled after like 11 episodes, and it just, it, it became synonymous with Failed shows. It's, oh, it's, that's like it, cop rock.
0: It's legendary. It's yes. legendary. I'm
1: very surprised that Shav Factory, which is such a cool company, and they do so much great stuff that they didn't just own it and say, like, one of the worst shows ever made they needed on to. DVD. They yeah, needed it would have been funny if they would have done that. Because that's
0: the way they promoted uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Jeff Altman thing, you know, uh, the, 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 the variety show, Pink Lady and Jeff.
1: Oh. That's, that's how, they,
0: how they did. Oh yeah, when that when that was released, you know, I mean, it's been a decade now, but I, that's one of my most treasured DVD possessions. I keep that thing in the, in a safe. They released it. is like come and see one of the worst television shows ever. They owned it. They. Promoted the hell out of that DVD as being basically the train wreck that you have got to see to believe.
1: The only thing I can think of is if they is if they didn't want to piss off Stephen Bochco in case yeah, they get probably. the rights to some of his shows in the future. Yeah. But uh, cop rock folks, you oh you've gosh. got to see the scene to believe it. It is it is literally one of the worst, uh, definitely one of the worst one hour dramas. It, unusual yes in the sense that it was terrible
0: so the uh you know the the whole power ranger thing really did not start with the power rangers it started with super sentai the original japanese uh super sentai series and shop factory has now released this is the third one the first one was super sentai zayu ranger the second one it's just like you know with like the power rangers they keep coming up the the second one was super sentai gosei sentai dai ranger and now we have Super Sente, Ninja Sente, Kaku Ranger.
1: Well, that's, that, that's what Haim Saban did. He bought yeah. hundreds of episodes of those shows, yeah. which were just available for pennies. And then
0: he, he shot new footage with white actors and intercut that stuff and kind of changed the plots a little bit. And uh and became
1: a, a quasi, a, 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 a multiple quadrillionaire.
0: It's ridiculous. Well, anyway, this is the original. And this is, again, the third one. This is uh, Ninja Sente, Kaku Ranger super sente uh and it's it's you know it's no less ridiculous as a japanese series but it feels a little more cohesive because it is the original series this is the way this stuff was supposed to be uh, and you know it's all the same stuff, but you're not going to see anything new here. It's it's just you know, legit. The costumes are ridiculous, but unbelievably cool at the same time. It's like people dressing up as toys. I, I and the worst special effects ever. So anyway, uh, I'm not going to recommend this for everybody unless you have a real you know fetish for Japanese kitsch television, kitsch genre television. You'll you'll get a kick out of it.
1: Uh, Wade, an interesting show that uh, probably slipped under a lot of radars. Is this WGN show called Outsiders? Yep. And Outsiders, which is an original show from uh, WGN, which is uh, bizarre. They've done a couple of original shows. Uh, this one, it's funny. There was a documentary years ago called Off the Grid about these people who live completely untethered from society. They have little tent cities in the desert, mm-hmm. and they have absolutely no need, or need for uh, uh, local governments or – State governments, they just live the way they want to live, and that's it. And nice. Outsiders is like that. It is a fictional version of sort of that documentary off the grid. It's about this, about this uh, family, and they live in Appalachia, and they're trying to uh, you know, control their little area of Appalachia, and they are completely off the grid.
0: So it's about Trump voters. Yes. I'm sorry so, I had to go there. Good job.
1: So all they do is they just – they have their own rituals – they love him in Appalachia, customs. you know. Huh?
0: They love him in Appalachia, you know. Of course they do. Yeah. Just saying. Come
1: on. Um, and so I think, I, I think this thing is pretty good. It's, uh, there's definitely interesting uh, avenues to explore in a bunch of people who, you know, do whatever they want and are not uh, tethered to any sort of government control. And the good thing about it is that it stars David Morris.
0: Nice. And uh, we always love David Morris. love he's, David Morris. Yep, he's He can terrific. do no wrong. Yep, he's he's great terrific. in the Will Smith film. You know that.
1: Yeah, he, he was—he was the one guy that made you think how terrible that 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 thing was.
0: Because it starts with him; he owns that movie. He really does. I mean, Will Smith is great, but no. Uh, but what you've got to believe. Yeah.
1: You've got to believe that he died such a horrible That's death. It. That's it. That it would bring that it would spur all of this controversy. Yes. Yeah. It and starts.
0: It. it starts with him, and he—he—you he, know—he—he he really lights the fuse on that movie. He—he he, then he hands the baton.
1: Anyway, The Outsiders, uh, really uh, a movie that kind of slipped under the uh, uh, a show that slipped under a lot of radars, but, yep. um, you know, what kind of... And plus, you know what? How bad could it be? Paul Giamatti is one of the producers. There you go. How bad could it be? Uh,
0: and The Travel Detective Season 2 with Peter Greenberg. This is a uh, one of those, you know, PBS uh, travel shows. It's actually really fun. I love travel shows. I don't know why. I used to watch the Travel Channel all the time. haven't done so ever since I had a child, because when you have a child, you don't travel very much, and you don't want to really tempt yourself. But... Uh, uh, Peter Greenberg, who uh, you know is a, the travel editor for CBS News, really is just like he's not just a host. He's not just some guy that says, "Hey, now we're in Barbados, isn't it pretty? Look at the women in bikinis and look at those nice beaches." I think I'm going to go have a mai tai. That's usually the way these travel shows go. No, he actually knows his stuff, and he. This is helpful. This is not uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a travel show that makes you feel really badly because you're not able to be with the host. This is for people who want to travel, who need the information, who want an expert actually guiding them to be able to replicate the travel. And it's, it's really great. Um, eight episodes here. And uh, they include all kinds of really, really interesting things like over-the-top airline seats, uh, training passengers like crew, uh, boating safety, Egypt tourism—it's this is this is like a, a travel show for real travelers, and uh, it's good. It's really really good, and he goes into some interesting places and like out of the way, unusual gems to to kind of go visit. It's really interesting, good show. All right, Mark. Um, in the little bit of time that we have left, um, how about some foreign? Let's let's foreign, rock some foreign, food? some foreign films. Some foreign films here that we've uh, neglected for a few weeks. One in particular I want to talk about, uh, The Cut, which is by uh, Fatih Akin. We love Fatih Akin, don't we? We do. We love him. Absolutely. Fatih Akin is a uh, Turkish-German, well, German citizen, ethnically Turkish director who makes movies uh, that basically deal primarily with the experience of being ethnically Turk and uh, living in Germany. Uh, head On was the film that really captured everybody's yes. attention still and the one after that I liked a lot too that I was did called too. Uh, something I can't remember it was, uh, it was kind of a comedy it was sort of a, a, a culinary comedy but anyway he's uh, he's a phenomenal filmmaker and uh, you know Head On gosh that is just still Edge work. of Heaven that was the one. Oh, I Edge of Heaven that's right I forgot that's the about one that. I loved that is good anyway he makes great movies and this one is The Cut Uh, This is released by Strand. It's only on DVD, not on Blu-ray, unfortunately. I keep hoping Strand will choose to release this. But anyway, um, there are now, despite the objections of the Turkish government, there are now slowly movies trickling out that are dealing with the Armenian genocide. Uh, None too soon, I would say, uh, over a century after it happened. Um, Turkish government continues to deny it and and is not fond of movies coming out uh, that deal with it. But you know, European movies in particular are finally uh, trickling out and, and wrestling with the subject. And this is his uh, his attempt as a as a, a an expat ethnic Turk who can look at it uh, somewhat objectively of um, uh, re- dealing with it. And this is, he actually considers this to be part of a trilogy that includes Head On and The Edge of Heaven. So Soul
1: Kitchen. That's the I, one I was. Thinking. I also liked a lot. I too. like Soul Kitchen. Not as much as Head On. Yeah. I did like Soul Kitchen. So anyway, very talented, very talented guy.
0: Yeah. So this is effectively con- he considers this part of a trilogy. Uh, they're they're not you know they're not really a trilogy. They're three films that are incredibly different, and uh, it's funny I'm totally forgotten about uh, Edge of Heaven. But anyway, yeah, it, this is um, these are these are very very different films, and I guess in a thematic sense they they kind of tie together. But anyway, uh, it's quite quite good, and uh, it is about a guy looking for his daughters. Uh, after they are separated during the uh, act, the events of 1915. And uh, it, is, uh, it is it is quite moving and probably, I guess, I, I hate to say should be better than it is. I didn't like how it kind of winds up in the United States at a certain point. I hope I'm not spoiling anything. But it is, uh, um, it is by and large, a really, really good film. And so few good films have been made about this subject that I, I have to actually recommend it. Um, Antonia's line... Won an Academy Ooh, Award. Yay. Remember this? Yes, great. It's a great film. Antonia's line. Marlene Gores, Dutch film. Uh, this won an Academy Award in 1996 for best foreign language film. Film Movement has released it in a gorgeous Blu-ray as part of their Film Movement Classics line, and uh, it includes a, an interview with Marlene Gores from the time of the film and an essay about the film, and, uh, you know, it's uh, essentially about a woman who comes back after World War II to a small town where she's inherited her mother's farm, and uh, the unusual eccentric people in this nice little strange town and how she gets back in, and she kind of, you know, switches everything up, and it's, uh, it is, uh, it is a, quite a quite a good film, actually. I interviewed Marlene Goris at the time, and I was struck by... Um, not only how unbelievably arrogant she was, but how incredibly unapproachable she was as a director. It was almost like, why am I here? Why am I bothering with you? She, it was not the easiest interview I've ever done. It, it was...
1: It's, it's funny, because she treated everybody else with the utter respect.
0: Yeah. It was not the easiest interview I've ever done. However, she's a tremendously talented filmmaker. So I pass no judgment on her, but I do wish my interview with her had been easier. Um... Let's see. We've got uh, Patricio Guzmán's *The Pearl Button* on Blu-ray. Guzmán, one of the uh, one of the you know kind of the shining star of Chilean uh, cinema, has done a lot of really extraordinary films. A a, a genius documentarian in many respects, his movies are almost more. I don't know, uh, they, they're almost existential in some way. He doesn't just he, – he, he draws connections between things that ordinarily would not seem to have connections, right? He finds these existential uh, through lines in things that, ha- that are above and beyond the sort of linearity of most documentaries. And in any case, this one is um, looks at the role that water plays primarily in the uh, the history of Chile's indigenous population – and it's and how it's sort of you know the the role that it plays in colonialism and the history of Chile and it's really unbelievably interesting um, you know it goes through all the, it's sort of like the history of Chile through water it's very very unusual and very interesting and uh, and and really upsetting on on certain levels but um, you know as we often know water is control throughout the world. If you control water, you, you know if you control the waterways, if you control access to water, you can control a country. And that's kind of the history of Los Angeles, too. It's Chinatown. You know, what, it's Chinatown, exactly. So uh, really, really very interesting. And then before we run out of time, uh, Confession of a Child of the Century with Charlotte Gensburg and uh, Peter Doherty. This is a, a Sylvie, Sylvie Verheid movie from Cohen. It is uh, on Blu-ray. It was at it, it Cannes in the Uncertain Regard section. And um, it is based on a novel that most of you have probably never heard of, although I think it's a bigger deal in, uh, in France than it is here, obviously. I don't think uh, uh, Confessions of the Child of the Century ever was really properly translated into English. So in any case, um, it's worth checking out. It takes place in uh, 1830, and it's just one of those really, really dark um, depressing but interesting family dramas that deals with I guess very kind of uh, Alexander Dumas like like Victor Hugo meets Alexander Dumas all the tragedy and the horror and the heartbreak that disrupts the, the lives of these people and all the fat, tragic maybe a little bit of Tom Hardy in there too so it's worth checking out mainly because Charlotte Gainsbourg is so incredibly good in it and uh, Sylvie Verhade. I'm not that familiar with as a filmmaker, but certainly am now. So uh, the, and can going on right now. A lot of more, a more, lot more interesting things going on at Can than here. So
1: I know. I wish I could. be
0: Yeah. All right. That is it for this week's show. We'll Don't see forget.
1: You... No. 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 Oh no, no, yeah,
0: no, 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 Mark. No, no, no. Go ahead. Pitch the, the number five f- thing.
1: You can have oh. the dirty grandpa uh, bottle of prescription pills, which again are probably Tic Tacs, and I will even throw in uh, the H the H and M bra that they give you, the Flowery Floral Bra. If uh, you are the fifth person to email us at gods at digigods.com, put Dirty Grandpa's Pills in the subject line, and uh, please include your address. You will so, get the pills in the bra.
0: And because of our senility this week, we once again ran out of time before we could get to the Vox Box. It's nope. So Aww. next show. First gonna, thing
1: out of the game. First
0: thing. First thing.